Hello and welcome. You're listening to Four for State, the show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from Tour CR in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Euro Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network, and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name is Anthony Dockwell. Now, coming up, the immigration debate hops up in Australia and across the media. First up, Andrew Bolt's contribution to the debate has caused a storm, and not just because he singled out ethnic and racial groups, but also for his figures, which might not add up. On the weekend, Sky News became a full-on dumpster fire when they interviewed Blair Cottrell, a man who's on record thinking a picture of Adolf Hitler should be in every classroom. BuzzFeed were not just the first to break the story of Emma Hussar and the allegations of bullying, but also got her to announce she would not contest her seat at the next federal election. Should BuzzFeed have published, and where does public interest begin and end on this story? And to all the news junkies out there who may have heard the buzz in your feeds about ABC Life, well, it launched on Monday, and despite the warnings, the sky hasn't fallen in yet. Joining me in the studio and across the country, we have Ben Doherty, who's the immigration correspondent for The Guardian. Hello. Good evening. Uh, Kathleen Calderwood, who is the ABC's Western Suburbs producer, and she's also been awarded the Andrew Olley Scholarship in 2017. Hello. Hi. And joining us on the line from Melbourne, Cara Waters, who is a small business reporter for The Age and the City Morning Herald. Hello. Hi, everyone. Now, Andrew Bolt is no stranger to controversy, but last week, the Daily Telegraph, the Herald, the Courier Mail and the Adelaide Advertiser all carried an article attacking immigration and arguing in a near hysterical tone that there is almost no us anymore. And if by us, Andrew Bolt meant all the first generation Danish immigrants working for News Limited, the no us is fast disappearing. The article was highly inflammatory and almost every sentence could be used here to illustrate its heightened attack on immigration. But here's one to give you a flavour of Bolt's viewpoint. In Melbourne, North Coalfield, 41% of the residents are Jews, including hundreds who have lately fled South Africa. While most of News Limited papers who carried Bolt's piece presented it dryly, the Daily Telegraph really got into the spirit with a headline saying, Foreign Invasion and a cartoon of a collection of different ethnic groups sitting down to eat a pie the shape of Australia. The white man in the middle looking less than impressed. Let's kick this off with a Dorothy Dixer question to the panel. Did Bolt go too far? Cara, I'll give it to you first. Uh, I think he definitely did, but that's what Andrew Bolt does. I mean, I read the Herald Sun because it's my job to read it, but I generally just ignore Andrew Bolt's column. I read it for the occasion of uh, this show, and uh, it's pretty horrible. And, yeah, I, I think... It sh- he shouldn't have written it in the first place and it shouldn't have been published. Ben, what's your take? Look, I I think, one, it's pretty lousy journalism. He got a lot wrong. There's lots that's factually in- incorrect there. He got his numbers wrong. He essentially doubled uh, the number of people uh, of, of Chinese ancestry or born in China in, in Box Hill and these sort of things and manipulated figures to try and prove an argument that didn't exist. So, um, again, looking back, you know, he got he got knocked over a few years ago for falling foul of the Racial Discrimination Act. I, I just think he fails to check his facts and it, it, it's just poor journalism. But the other thing I, I think that, that's really dangerous about these sort of pieces, and, and I, I agree with Cara um, in, entirely that I'm very surprised that, that it that it got past and uh, editor's eyes and, and published, is this way that the migration debate and, and discussion about immigration is is used as code for talking about race. And, and you know, the, 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 the black letters are, look, I'm talking about immigration, but really I'm talking about race here. I'm, I'm mm. talking about people who don't speak English, people who, who aren't, aren't from a Judeo-Christian background. Um, and I think that's a really 
dangerous path down which we're heading. And I think when someone like Bolt, who is, for like, like him or loathe him, has a massive readership um, in this country, he opens up a space for people behind him to use this sort of language, to use this sort of pejorative language, dehumanising language. All of the sort of trends we're, we're, we're seeing in immigration repertage in this country at the moment is kind of enabled by columns like that that kind of push the boat right out. Um, and then people sort of fall in behind with that sort of stuff. I think it's, um, I think it's a really dangerous trend, um, and 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 rightly there 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 needs to be a measure of pushback against it. My my question is, and and I think this is something that lots of people are wrestling with, is how 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 strongly do you push back against something like that? Because that's essentially what he's looking for. He's looking for controversy. Mm. He's looking for clicks. He's looking for debate and outrage and and all of this all of this sort of stuff. These things need to be called out and opposed, but it's almost falling into the trap. Oh, look, before we delve into that deeper, I just want to get Kathleen's take on it as well. I would agree. I think it was poor journalism. He, uh, regardless of whether the stats were right or wrong, he was bringing in all these different elements of it, uh, race, language, small businesses, all that kind of thing. And I think uh, the immigration debate is a difficult debate for us to have, but it's probably one that needs to be had. Mm. And I don't think this added anything to it, constructive, really, at all, and 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 I think a discussion um, and a serious discussion about immigration yeah. policy and, and how it's set and and how it's controlled they, they are absolutely legitimate subjects for, for for journalistic interest and public discussion. But this kind of quasi pseudo debate around immigration, which is really about race, um, I think is 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 a dangerous trend. And what about the term "us" and the way that he used "us"? Because "us," I, I think we all know who "us" is. "Us" is white. English-speaking Australians, we like a meat pie, we like the footy, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. It just kind of leaves me cold. You know, there's kind of strange talk about Australian values. Um, I don't know what they are. I don't know that I share many of them with someone perhaps like Andrew Bolt or or, or others. This idea that we have to be homogenous in the way that we see the world and that, I mean, democracies are built on on debate and discussion and disagreement. People don't all have to think exactly the same. And I think this idea of making an us and them is, you know, I mean, the, the countless examples in history of of uh, of dehumanizing and distancing people you know as 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 prelude to more um uh, nefarious act, uh, activities i mean it's it's everywhere i mean it, it's a really obvious trend i mean i always find the us quite hilarious in a disturbing way because i'm an immigrant i'm i moved to australia when i was six years old but from the uk so i couldn't i looked complete i look completely australian sound completely australian mm. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not in the them that Andrew Bolt is focused on, but in reality, I am an immigrant. So I find it quite interesting in the way he tries to demonise all immigrants. And I suspect Andrew Bolt thinks I'm an us, but I was born in Singapore, so I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure. And, and, and that's the, I mean, the whole fallacy to his argument. I mean, basically, unless you can trace your ancestry back to you know Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people, we are all immigrants, including Andrew Bolt, you know, most famously. Um, so where is the argument here other than a racial argument and, a, and an argument that is, uh, when he uses the word colonization, he uses it in the most tone deaf way. It's even imaginable to use that word. A hundred percent. I couldn't imagine how offensive it must be to indigenous Australians to hear him yep. complaining about Australia being colonized. Um, but that aside, I just think he is, he has a very different set of Australian values and in inverted commas to uh, a lot of people in Australia. You only have to walk around Western Sydney to see that not everyone looks like Andrew Bolt. Um, mm. And that's not just on um, 
so-called monoculture places, which I would would argue with anyway, like Lakemba or, you know, those kind of places that he pointed out. But you walk through the main street of Parramatta and it is a diverse um, place of many different kinds of faces and people. So I think, uh, you know, he just is picking on one set of values for a very uh, carved out audience that he thinks he speaks to. And um, I don't know what the reaction might have been from the people he was trying to talk to. Look, at the same time Bolt is lamenting the loss of us, uh, ABC journalist Osman Faruqi found himself on the end of a lot of online abuse simply for entering the plastic bag debate. I mean, how worried should we be about the toxic nature of what's going on in our public discourse at the moment? Because it's toxic. (laughs) Well, it's just, it's stopping people from having a well-considered, thought-out, intelligent debate. Like, we're all entitled to our own opinions, but if you're going to get shut down over something like plastic bags, like Osman was fearful for his safety as far as I, I was reading, getting death threats and things like that over some plastic bags. I think that's a bit extreme, really. I think it's interesting as well that you see this um, flow-on effect from this really toxic, as you say, um, language in publication, and then it's spilling over onto social media. And I think when we move on to the to talking about Sky News, it's quite interesting that some of the fallout from that has been against some um, female journalists on Sky News who spoke out and said mm. what happened was inappropriate mm. and were subjected to horrendous abuse on Twitter. Yes, yes. And look, uh, as uh, Ben mentioned earlier, uh, Robert Mann, writing in The Guardian, has pointed out some of Bolt's figures, you know, underpin his arguments were rubbery at best. Um, and, and, you know, in light of the general outrage, I mean, should News Limited as a company pull Bolt's article? Ben? I'd, look, I, I don't know, and I don't know what good it would do. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it's kind it of it might just know, feed into look, it. It's the old, yeah, and and you know, he he loves and 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 lots of commentators love to claim self censorship from the pages of national dailies um, and and broadsheets that have you know circulations of hundreds of thousands. I'm not exactly sure how they're being silenced. Um, look, it's the old Churchill. I don't know if it's a Churchill quote, but everything eventually gets attributed to Churchill. You know, the lies halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its boots on sort of thing. It, I mean, it's out there now. People are talking about it. I think it's important that it's discussed. Um, uh, but I mean, pulling it pulling it now, I, 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 I don't see achieves much. Okay. I think there's a large element of performance to what Andrew mm. Bolt does too. It's not journalism. Yeah, I, I I think a lot of these sort of comment pieces. And look, you know, we we live in the kind of age of the commentariat and the age of outrage. I suspect a lot of these views that are kind of being pushed around aren't terribly deeply held. They're um, they're they're pretty shallow, and people put them out there for clicks and for attention and for for the for the controversy and the outrage that follows. You know, the 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 Twitter firestorms and and whatever else. That's exactly what's being sought to be generated. But just going back to that uh, that uh, performance aspect of Andrew Bolt, which is definitely there, but. You know, unlike, say, Mark Latham, the performance aspect is that he is a serious journalist. He presents himself as that. Uh, clearly, this is not the work of journalism that we would normally recognise. You know, if you're looking at it in uh, the way it was presented in some of the News Limited mm. papers outside the Daily Telegraph, it actually looked a bit like journalism. Mm. Uh, does that trouble you? I think it was, um, you know, he was spitting out a lot of facts and figures, mm. which were, you know, found to be incorrect, um, sort of in the in the follow up. But if you were reading that um, as a reader of the Daily Telegraph, I can see why, or or the Courier Mail, or whoever else, um, I can see why it might have come across as a legitimate article. I, 
I did read it as a bit like he's spitting out a lot of facts and figures, but not really making much of a mm. point with those facts and figures. Um, uh, so, yeah, I guess that is a dangerous element of of what he does. Um, I mean, uh, you know, it, it was it was in the opinion pages. It, it, it wasn't presented as news, but um, and and comment pieces have existed for a long time. But they need to be grounded in some sort of facts. You mm. you, you can't sort of base your argument on these on this faulty foundation essentially. And I think that's. Perhaps pointing to a, a, a broader issue, you know, with the the, the sort of um, diffusion of media, and you know, we, and we've I'm sure spoken on this program before about media bubbles and all those sort of things that we almost don't have a kind of agreed set of basis facts from which to debate yep. issues of of of, mm. of significance and you know, and of, in this case of of national importance because everyone's sort of cherry picking their own facts that they choose to believe that reinforces their own worldview. We don't have a, a kind of shared foundational understanding of what we're talking about, mm. which I think leads to pieces like this. Uh, before we move on, Cara, is there anything you'd like to add? Well, I just think it's interesting that there has been complaints to the press council about this, um, and Andrew Bolt has said that he is not going to respect the press council process. So it's sort of like there have been complaints. That there's, you know, There seem, appears to be, from Robert Mann's article in The Guardian anyway, clear um, inaccuracies and um, false uses statistics and um, it doesn't seem that there's anything that will happen about it. Well, from Andrew Bolt, let's make a big jump and move on to Sky News. On Sunday, Adam Giles interviewed Blair Cottrell and after the interview, up went to social media posts promoting the interview and suddenly all hell broke loose. A 20-second Google search would tell you all you need to know about Blair Cottrell. He's a far-right figure, not credible in any sense of the word unless you happen to have a picture of Adolf Hitler on your wall. In the aftermath of the interview, Sky News pulled the interview, deleted social media posts and issued a grovelling apology. Adam Giles' program has been suspended. American Express, Specsavers and Huggies have pulled their ads. And everyone at Sky News seems to be very, very sorry. And if that wasn't enough, Blair Cottrell posted on Twitter and since deleted a tweet joking he might as well have raped Sky's Laura Jays on air. Now, seeing uh, Blair Cottrell's credentials were there for everyone to see, how the hell did he end up on air? And does Sky News need to do more to convince us that they've learned from this event? Kathleen, what do you think? Well, they've suspended um, Adam Giles' show, which I think says something. I find it hard to believe that they weren't conscious of what kind of controversy this might have caused. Um, Obviously, there's been some pretty big consequences for Sky with the pulling of... Um, the advertising deals and stuff like that. But I, I think they were probably putting them on to be provocative and it was successful. This is no accident. Um, this is page one of the Fox News playbook. Um, they and, and this has been done before by Sky. They push, they push, they push, they go until they get the requisite amount of outrage. They walk it back a little bit. They do it again. Um uh, I mean, you know, it was it was recently um, uh, around um, some of the straps that were put on on the uh, the Outsiders program on on, on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Th- th- this sort of controversy is deliberately um, uh, confected and then sort of mealy mouthed, apologised for, and then done again. There is there is no accident about this. Everyone know who who knows who Blair Cottrell is, um, uh, and and this was quite a deliberate provocation and. You know the, the the fact that we're even discussing about a self confessed Nazi being given a platform on. on I don't know on, why I'm laughing. I mean, it, it's it's just how have we got here? That's the question. It's just scandalous. So okay, so what you're saying is Sky News's um, sort of you know um, official thing that they're a bit like Icarus and they flew a little bit too close to the sun. That's not the case here at all. It, uh, I, 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 I'm not privy to, to, to Sky's you know editorial decisions, but so, it, 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 I, I just can't see how this is an accident. 
Yeah, uh, like like you said, 20 seconds and you can see who he is. Like, how could you not know? Yes. He has appeared elsewhere, though, so mm. um, you can say, I mean, no, in no way condoning his appearance on Sky News, but um, I, it, I think uh, other outlets have justified it in the way the way he was presented. Um, and uh, I do think that though there appears to be a, a real lack of editorial oversight in, in allowing him to go on and um, allowing him um, to be presented in the way that he was as an activist where he's actually a convicted racist. Well, look, Craig Emerson has resigned after five years as a commentator for Sky News. Apart from his disgust, he said the reason for quitting was that his father fought against the Nazis and was a prisoner of war, and to his way of thinking the normalisation of the far right was for him a problem that he, you know, he couldn't ignore or just smooth over. Is he right here? And, you know, the media are normalising and embracing elements of the far right? Or I think in some cases they're amplifying them. I mean, this is a bloke who hosts a meeting and, you know, four men and a dog turn up sort of thing, and, and, and they're giving him a, a national platform. I mean, we're, we're sitting here talking about it now. This has been a news story for, 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 for three or four days. They are being dragged into the kind of mainstream of of the political debate from the, the extreme fringes where they are. And, and look, I, I, you know, I've, I've seen other arguments around um, uh, that, you know, we should listen to people and then, uh, you know, and to ideas we don't agree with. Um, uh, this is beyond that. Yeah, but but this is this is... A whole, a whole new level. I'm, I'm all for free and fair and open debate and 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 a free press, but sort of bringing these kind of extreme yep. ideas, these absolutely, yep. you know, uh, beyond the pale ideas, and presenting them as a legitimate political opinion is just, mm. it's just outrageous. Well, look in in this situation too. I mean, Sky News is about to go out regionally on free to air television. You know, at night it clearly is aping a Fox News model. They're a very different place at night time, I think, Sky News. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, not that we can do anything about this. How worried should we be about the, the direction that Sky News is going? Also knowing the weight that it holds and, and the fine journalists that work there. Well, and, and that's that's who I feel sorry for. There there are there are some really very strong, very straight down the line journos who, who call, you know, I, I think their gallery team, Spears and Gilbert and Jays, you know, the, the, those guys do a really good job and they kind of are constantly being undermined and undercut. Um, by by this this kind of um, wildness at night, as uh, as Cara said. The interesting thing is, I think what will, as as you mentioned, what will hurt here is the advertising, and that's what will have the power. It's it's not all everyone getting on their soapbox and saying, "Oh, how outrageous!" It's if um, this sleeping giants movement, which is pressuring advertisers to pull the advertising from these sort of programs, um, is successful. That. That's what will change the tone. Money talks in this instance, I think. Well, now it's my turn to be cynical. I mean, we've seen this sort of thing happen before with 2GB. The the sponsors pull out. But when it all quietens down, they go back. I mean, is this going to be a situation here with Sky News that, uh, you know, people are saying, okay, we don't want to be obviously associated with Nazis. But uh, when it all quietens down, they'll go back and they'll be sponsoring um, Sky News at night. Yes, that is the definitely the cynics' answer, and it's a bit depressing, isn't it? That's the case. Oh. Okay, now look, BuzzFeed first broke the story on Emma Herso being investigated for bullying back in July, and last week they published a huge scoop. And let's just say that Alice Workman's story on Labor MP Emma Herso hit Australia for six. The article was based around a leaked letter from lawyer jo- uh, John Joseph Whelan listing a series of allegations that range from workplace bullying, spreading false rumours and 
acting out a famous scene from Basic Instinct. Um, the article was explosive, to say the least, and here's where it gets messy because Hussar has rejected the claims and the most sensational being the scene from Basic Instinct uh, and the person in the letter who's mentioned to have witnessed this move, uh, Jason Clare, has also rejected the story. As of today, Emma has said that she will not contest the seat at the next federal election and still rejects all allegations. She said that while she's not perfect, uh, enough is enough. So while the story has come to some form of conclusion, I still want to talk about this and as I think there's something to debate and unpack inside of what's just taken place. BuzzFeed have been criticised since the story was published. The question I have is should they have published and was it in the public interest, Ben? Um, show me an editor who would have knocked back that story if a reporter got it. Would, it was a story every day of the week. Has Emma Hussar been treated unjustly? Has she been denied natural justice? Um, has she been essentially hung out to dry? Absolutely. Absolutely, she's been treated yep. unbelievably unfairly, and this has been a brutal smear campaign against her. She hasn't been hung out to dry by BuzzFeed. They've got a very, very strong story. There is an investigation into a sitting MP. It involves the use of public funds mm-hmm. as well, you know, Comcars, all, all, all this sort of which we've, we've looked at on both sides of Parliament. Um, this is a story. Obviously, the Sharon Stone thing um, sort of captured, you know, a, a lot of the salacious attention. Um, but there is a story here. It was good journalism that got it. Um, it should have been reported. I think any editor in the country would have run it. Um, has she been treated unfairly? Absolutely. Um, and this... I mean, I think this says more about the state of Australia's political parties than it does about Australian journalism. Yes. Well, I mean, BuzzFeed, obviously, her working here off leaked information. so But but they they had the story cold. It was right. No one's saying they got it wrong. I I agree. Um, Alice Workman's a very, very good journalist. I find it hard to believe that it wouldn't be watertight, especially to publish something like this. You would really want to have um, all your ducks in in a row. I do think, you know, uh, that... We haven't been able to, you know, we haven't seen the results of of this um, report and obviously today Emma has to- said that she is not going to recontest um, the seat. So that will be quite tragic if she is exonerated in a few days. But um, I, I don't think, I think the story is sound. Yeah, but and, but it, it illustrates more the sort of dissent of Australian politics. I mean, if you're a, a young woman with political ambitions, why would, you know, young man, anybody, why would you go into this? No, these are people on your own side who are leaking this. Like, it's just the brutality mm-hmm. of all. Like, she really has been treated appallingly. Yeah, I think the interesting thing there is uh, what you raised in the, uh, as a female politician, because... Yeah. The, I think the sexual nature of some mm. of these allegations as a female you cannot recover from that. Like, so devastating. And um, that's a really difficult double standard, I think. Do you think, Cara, Barney Joyce was treated differently? I feel, well, he was, he, he's, he's, I mean, he's still kicking, isn't he? Still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. as opposed to her. So, yeah, it's uh, I mean, it does seem that um, these were an, in, an ongoing investigation that wasn't concluded yet. Um, some of the claims, it appears, may be untrue. There definitely does seem to be, you know, an issue there. There's a 20 different complainants. Um, so, uh, you know, there does seem to be an issue. But, yeah, it does seem that the standards um, for Barnaby Joyce and uh, Emma Pugic are a little bit different. Well, bringing up Barnaby Joyce, I mean, on the question of public interest, I mean, has what happened to him also broadened the definition of public interest? Because I do remember when that story broke, there were a lot of uh, journalists who were caught flat-footed at the time, mm. thinking that it wasn't in the public interest, and then retrospectively saying, you know what, it was. 
has his case, in a sense, opened the floodgates here? Even taking out of, taking out of the, the, the obvious sexism between the two cases. Oh, well, it's, I, the, it's the public funds, isn't it, that mm. both of them, it makes it very clear-cut, I suppose, that that's public interest I argument. Think, I think I agree, but I don't think you can take the sexism out of the argument, to be honest. Like, I, if this had happened and Barnaby Joyce hadn't, I still think it would have, would have rolled out in much the same way. I also think Barney Joyce um, uh, sort of campaigning as a, you know, as a family values campaigner, campaigning against same-sex marriage all the while conducting mm. uh, an illicit affair um, while married to somebody else, I, I, I think completely undermines your credibility. Um, and I think, I think that alone would have been uh, uh, grounds for a story. But, but absolutely, the, the public funds every time, there is, there is always public interest in the way our, our money is being spent or... Okay. Well, look, the consensus is that the public interest here is really clear cut. But I just want to just end on uh, political commentator Peter Van Olsen. Uh, he said on The Insiders on Sunday, regardless of the truth, the allegations uh, have basically ended her career, um, which, you know, that's come to be true. But I mean, the point that he was making, the, the truth really wasn't actually an issue here in the end. Um, and, and to me, that does underline the the importance of making sure that this is a truly a public interest story. Mm. I mean, what do you yeah. think of what, or his point and, 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 and how it's all played out? Look, I think it's been you know a grubby and horrible episode. But again, I think it, uh, it, it had this process been handled properly, it, it should never have come to this. These, these stories shouldn't have been there to, mm. to be written. But I, I don't see how, if these allegations are being made and, and, and we see elements of it that are yep. absolutely in the public interest, how they can't be reported. You know, yep. Otherwise, media are sort of practising self-censorship about what they report and, and, yep. and what they don't. And if there's a letter, I suppose, if there's a letter saying canvassing both the, the uh, Sharon Stone allegation as well as public funds, you can't sort of report some mm. and not the other, can you? Yeah. And to be fair to uh, Alice Workman, I mean, one of the points she made on the insiders was that the ALP have essentially sat on this for about six months. Mm. Yeah, I think that's relevant too. She also um, has said, which I thought was interesting, that um, people, um, she feels that people on the left feel very wrong to that she published these allegations Mm. and that she feels there's been more backlash against her these allegations than there, there have been has been for other stories, which is interesting. But I, I also think that says something about the the kind of nature of social media blowback in that she was the sort of darling of the left when she was pursuing Michaelia Cash, um, and mm. and she had everyone cheering for. Her. I mean, the, the the sort of vicissitudes you know wash back and forth, and often as a journalist, if everyone's angry at you, you're probably doing your job pretty well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And finally, on the fourth estate, there's been much talk about ABC's lifestyle website, ABC Life. It launched on Monday, and no, it wasn't the ABC doing BuzzFeed, but more a friendly lifestyle website using mainly content from various arms and channels of the ABC. Uh, The response to the launch has been mainly positive, although it seems the Australian is not a fan. Um, Jeremy Poxon has got my award for Tweet of the Week when he tweeted, Surely for balance, Auntie must also launch ABC Death. (laughs) <laughs> so after all the gnashing of teeth and worries about the ABC taking on BuzzFeed and Junkie, the truth was little more than a nice portal into the world of the ABC. Ben, have you checked out ABC Life? Uh, when I knew I was coming on this to talk about it, I had a look this afternoon. Um, to be honest, I was neither here nor there about it. I wasn't sort of brutally offended by it. I didn't think it was absolutely amazing. I, I mean, it's sort of just starting off. I think there is... A, a lot of those sort of sites out there, um, um, and you know, you you can certainly raise the question whether that's sort of core ABC business for the nat- for the national broadcaster. But I'm not 
deeply offended by it. I thought it was fine without being remarkable. And Cara, have uh, you love a good recipe? Have you made it part of uh, your your daily routine? I, I do. Um, some of the uh, columns they've got on the Instagram are particularly good, I have to say. But uh, the I guess the thing is, I mean, I agree. I I don't think you know it's setting the world on fire, but it's um, you know the ABC has always done lifestyle content. You know, mm. gardening Australia, play school. <laughs> it's not all um, serious, hard hitting news. So I don't know if it's quite as revolutionary as some people may think. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm old enough to remember Peter Russell Clark. Um, <laughs> so uh, now, you know, the claims that the website was going to be an ABC buzz feeding itself, you know, they clearly turned out to be wrong. I mean, the, the one serious point I wanted to talk about here was, you know, did the ABC kind of mess this up by not correcting the record sooner? Because clearly there was never, they were never going to buzz feed themselves. They let that stay out there for a long time before they corrected it. Maybe they took it as a compliment. <laughs> Maybe they're still working to a, a more of a BuzzFeed style. Oh, I, again, I, I, I kind of I'm finding it hard to get sort of terribly exercised um, uh, about this. It's, uh, it, I mean, there, there is from some quarters of the media a, a, a kind of concerted effort to sort of tear down. Any, essentially anything the ABC does. I, as I say, I think it's fine. I think it's a, a perfectly reasonable thing for the ABC to do, but I, I don't kind of have terribly strong feelings about whether you caught the BuzzFeed this or ABC Light or whatever. It doesn't, doesn't bother me. Well, that's it from us on the Fourth Estate. Thanks to my guest, Ben Doherty from The Guardian, Kathleen Calderwood from the ABC, and Carl Waters from Fairfax. Next week, Peter Frey will be back in the hot seat. Make sure you subscribe to Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast app. You can also... Talk to us on Twitter, and our handle is ForfestateAU. My name is Anthony Dockwell, and thanks for listening. Oh, and if you think it's been a rough week in the media in Australia, well, this is a small slice of InfoWars after they got booted off Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. You'll never, never defeat the human spirit. You'll never defeat God. You'll never win. Never. Never, ever. Never! And this is where we get tested. So rejoice to God Almighty for this animating contest of liberty. Hey!